Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome again to our Sunday morning service. Uh, we're glad that you're here today, and we're glad for those that are joining us online, and we trust that today's service would be a blessing to you. Had a real good lesson last night, and we appreciate the Lord uh, for the direction that he's taking us. Uh, we want to remember those, uh, before we get into our worship, we want to remember those that are not well, uh, that needs prayer, those in our midst here, we want to remember. Um, special prayer also for Brother Philip Campadu. Uh, let's pray that the Lord would do a miracle in the lives of these people. Not only uh, health issues, but uh, there are some challenges. Uh, individuals are going through personal challenges and problems. We want to pray and ask the Lord for strength and help. We're living in bad times, really bad times. The world has gone chaotic. And we want to ask the Lord for his protection wherever we are, that God's angels will protect and keep us and he'll touch our minds and keep our minds fixed on him. So why don't you join with me in prayer today and let's pray that God give us a real good Sunday service today. Let's all pray. Father, today we thank you that we can approach your throne of mercy and of grace. Thank you so much for your love and your care, for your protection, your provisions, Lord, and for helping us to be here. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And most of all, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, who shed his blood to redeem us from our sins. And oh Lord, give us the opportunity to be healed. We remember those that are not well today, Brother Philip and every one of your people, Lord, we pray that you'll reach down your hand of mercy and compassion. Your healing virtue would flow and touch your people, we pray. Increase their faith and their trust and confidence in you. Every one of your children, Lord, that has some battles in their hands and are going through some difficult moments, we pray, Father, for mercy, and you'll give them the strength and encouragement. Bless our service today. We thank you again, Lord, for our pastor and the way you've used him to bring the word of God to our hearts. Pray, Lord, that you'll help us to make the required changes, to accept your word and hide them deep in our hearts that we may not sin against you. We ask it in Jesus' most precious and wonderful name today. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise God, praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's all be seated. It was a privilege uh, for me traveling into the United States uh, to honor uh, the late brother Ormelius that passed away, and we went for his funeral. I say it's an honor to be there and to, to see, uh, to be a part of the funeral service of a man that was faithful. Um, I can't remember ever there was a meeting here in, in Mississauga or in Toronto that Brother Armelius was not a part of it. He always comes, he and his family, and he has always been a part of this church uh, meeting. And so whether it's here or in Connecticut or in Des Moines or anywhere else, he has been a faithful man over the years. And tragically, we will all die after a while. 
and we hope that when the time comes for us to die, we can leave enough uh, information with the people that have followed us over the years that it can save them. Uh, they can come to a place that words can be remembered in their lives. I'm, I was glad to not only be in uh, the Westbury Church, and I must commend Brother Antoine and the assembly in Westbury. They have made some, let me not say they have made radical changes. There was over 100 people in the meeting in the Sunday service that we went back. So here is what happened. We went for the funeral. I got into New York on a Friday. The funeral was on a Saturday morning. And Brother Antoine hosted the entire funeral because Brother Armelius does not have a physical building that he can have charge in. And um, Brother Antoine and his assembly, the assembly in Westbury, hosted the entire meeting and they paid for everything. Um, I'm not sure if they paid for the casket because Brother Armelius has kids that can do that, but they paid for all the, uh, the preparations and they made time out, and so it was an early morning viewing, and then the funeral followed, and then we came back uh, to Brother Antoine's church, um, not to the entire church, but he wanted the ministers to come and have some fellowship with him, and so we did. And uh, that was Saturday. Saturday night I was in Elmont uh, for the service, and those of you that follow me on Facebook, um, you would know that you would have a recording on Spotify of the service in Elmont on Saturday night. And uh, you would have a, uh, also a, a recording of the service on, uh, that followed that. We left church at 10, 11 o'clock, finished at uh, 12.30 uh, in Elmont. We rushed in from there to Westbury for a one o'clock service, got there about 10 minutes late, which Brother Antoine was expecting. And that service ran until about uh, quarter to four or four. But Antoine does not clock his service. Uh, he, he runs like we did years ago. We ran our service however long it goes. As long as the spirit is there and we have a good service or we have ministers. And so I was able to speak in Westbury on Sunday as well as in Elmont on Sunday. And both recording, I think, are on Spotify that if you really feel like you would be saved from the messages I preach, you would have already found out how to get Spotify. Uh, if you don't have the means of finding how to get Spotify and you don't really care about it, it means that you don't value the messages I preach. Simple. We call that the truth that will set you free. And um, so I, my trip in New York was really, really good. Traveling was a breeze. Coming back, traveling was a breeze. You know, I thought I'd get hassle of the air. Oh no, everything was, uh, was just fine. By the time I left here, uh, customs and immigration, took five minutes for customs and immigration. The lineup to get there, a million people trying to travel. That's the only delay you have because it's long lines. Uh, but I was able to be able to travel at ease. I didn't think it was a burden at all. Coming back was a breeze. 
um, going in was easy, coming back was easy. And so I thank God that I am able to return home and um, uh, to be a part of this church. We had a beautiful service on Wednesday night. And then last night, I thought we had a wonderful service also. Right now, I want to talk to you about the Word of God. Are you interested in listening? All right. Uh, if you're following us online, if you're following us online and you're following the service online, may God give you understanding. There's no way the online messages can replace the messages that you sit down in a service and listen to it. But online messages, messages after it's preached, is what satisfies my soul and touches my mind that help me to carry on in God. Last night I talked about the prodigal son. And I preached about a prodigal son for years, but I took a diff the Lord give us a different slant to the prodigal son last night. Uh, we looked at a scripture in Luke the 15 chapter, isn't that right? Uh, Luke the 15 chapter, and I'm not going to uh, stay long on this because I need to move on with some additional thoughts. But on Luke the 15 chapter, if you look at that, it started by telling us something that I did not pay attention before. Uh, for one, I think it is only Luke, if you are correct, it's only Luke that records the prodigal son. And he says here, uh, then verse 1, And they drew near unto him, and all the publicans, the sinners, the bad guys, you know, the sinful people, and the sinners, uh, for to hear him. They came to hear him. The Pharisees, those who were God's people, they stayed in a certain distance, and the sinners came to hear him. But you know, this is wonderful because when Paul is writing about uh, salvation, he made a statement here, and I'm going to find that for you. You don't have to turn. But Paul, uh, when he was writing uh, to, I think it was um, Romans chapter 5 in the book of Romans, he said in verse 10, If when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You see, the scripture tells us when we were without strength and lost, God sent forth his son. Paul is saying this to the Romans, uh, but I think in Galatians, uh, he makes a statement similar to that. And I'm spinning around here in my Bible, uh, getting to Galatians and Paul made a statement, if um, uh, in one of the scriptures he said, um, Christ died for the ungodly. Somebody find that for me. It <clears throat> might be in Galatians, I'm not sure. Uh, he says, when we were without strength, uh, Christ died for us. Beautiful scripture. Now, what am I getting at? I'm getting to the fact, listen to me. When I say find it, I want the brothers at the back to find it, or saints it up here. The rest of you listen to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that only the believers could receive the benefits. No, he loved the world, whether you're, you're atheist, you're a heathen, you're a Muslim, 
whether you're gay, whether you're whatever sinner you are. You see how I said the word sinner? God sent his son to die for you. And what I'm trying to say here today, you and I sitting in the church, if we're to develop the spirit of Christ, we must understand that Christ had the spirit of his father. And Jesus only sought to please the father in all things. And so when Jesus comes back and he sits on a throne in the, in the nation of Israel, on the throne of of Jer Jerusalem, the throne of God in Jerusalem, he will, he will have a different form of judgment than Jerusalem has ever received. And so today what I'm telling you is that when Jesus was on this earth, publicans and sinners uh, were ready to receive him. God's people, the elite in that time, rejected him. He came on to his own. And his own people, the Jews, they did not only reject Isaiah. God's people, the body of Moses, rejected Isaiah. The body of Moses rejected Jeremiah. The body of Moses killed the prophets. And the body of Christ today, when we go back 2,000 years ago, the body of Christ rejected the apostles. They rejected Christ. They rejected, the body of Christ rejected the men of God that he sent 2,000 years ago. And while Paul was still alive, he saw the body of Christ ready to call him an idiot and forsake him. And men who were close to him departed from him. And so today, as I'm talking to you, we must understand these things. Hindsight is 20 20 vision and if that happened to the early church that had the power of God given to them literally on the day of Pentecost how much today do we want uh, the church uh, to receive us so as a pastor I'm here standing before you preaching the word of God and I don't need anyone's approval that sits in this congregation to approve me your approval is irrelevant as far as my ministry is concerned. And that is why I'm telling, I was thinking that uh, when it comes to me being a father to Nadine, a grandfather to Timothy and Jeremiah, a husband to Sister Chandri, um, anything else apart from that? And a pastor to the world. One person being a pastor a husband, a father, a grandfather, and sometimes a friend to everyone around. How can I fit the role of all of these responsibilities and bring them into one? And it is hard just to be a father. It is hard just to be a husband. It is hard just to be a grandfather and abandon the calling of God on my life. I can't. It's hard to do that. So I'm telling the church last night, as I stand as a minister, uh, don't forget that all of these things work in me. So if I say to someone that I want something done a certain way, if I want the ushers to sit in a certain position and function in a certain way, don't try to change that.
pray about it. If I say, Brother Raleigh, I want you to uh, take care of the lawn. Brother Raleigh did a good job over the over these years taking care of the property. But I look at my lawn this morning, it looks better than the church lawn. That's not good. I feel guilty when my lawn looks better. Did my lawn look good, Brother Vid? Yeah, it looks better than the church lawn. I feel guilty. I feel I must need to spend a little more time thinking of how the church ought to look. And today, that's why we're having a business meeting, because I have some chores to get done uh, that we need the men in this church, if we've got any, to fill in these responsibilities. I feel God has called me and placed the ministry of a prophet in my, in my life. And if you're to be a part of this church, you're to come here and ask God to help you to accept me and touch your mind and give you a revelation. Otherwise, you'll depart and leave me mentally, first of all, and then physically later on. And I thank you for being faithful, those of you that have stayed and survived. And faithfulness is something that God will reward. And so when we talked about the prodigal son, and that lesson last night was a tremendous lesson that edified me while I was preaching it. Because that boy took his father's inheritance and went astray, abused the blessings of his father. He abused the inheritance that his father had given to him. And he went and sported with harlots and drunkards and whatever. And then when he was broke, he almost would have eaten pig's food. But he came to himself and says, my dad, See, the prodigal son is a bad title for that parable. It is more about a loving, forgiving, gracious, long-suffering father. And when he knew who his father was, he wanted to return to his dad and ask his dad to forgive him and to make him a hired servant. He didn't want to become a son anymore. He says, make me a hired servant. But you see, I remember the story when Jesus stood up, not the account, when Jesus was there and the Pharisees wanted to try Jesus. So they got a woman caught in adultery and they brought her and put her in front of Jesus. And they said, here is a woman we caught in adultery. And what you going to do? They, they did not want a woman so much on trial. They wanted Jesus on trial. And you see, if I was Jesus that day, from my human perspective, I'll say, where's the man? Did she commit adultery by herself? Where is the man? If you're going to try her, try them both. But Jesus had a lesson that he wanted to teach us, right? And that is why the woman was there and everyone had a brick, stone. You wanted her dead, you had a big rock. And I'm saying this lesson today because a lot of us sitting in the church and a lot of us in the ministry, we got rocks to kill people. If we catch you burning strange fire in the temple. We want to kill you. See the difference with you and God. God tells us to love our 
and what he does to his enemies. Tell me, kill them. He eliminates his enemies. But you see, the thing is, I, if I'm to hate my enemies, my human nature hating, God works with a principle. If his son sins, he dies. I'm going to kill you. No, no, no. Son, obey the commandments and live. Disobey it and die. That's justice. He's a God that's just. And if he tells you not to go a certain way and you decide to go that way, then you must suffer the consequences. The wages. Isn't that this beautiful description? The wages, the pay you get. For your disobedience to God is the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible doesn't teach heaven and hell. People come up with that concept there in apostate religion. The Bible teaches life or death. And you must understand that's how God is. God operates with a principle. And if you're to rule and reign with Christ, you must stop being controlled by your human carnal emotions. You must be governed by the principles of God's word. All right? The principles of God's word is, is what should control you. So when I judge, it's a different case altogether. So when we look at the prodigal son coming home, the father was looking out for him. And I want to tell you about the father. This father that we have, he dwells in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man has seen nor can see. But he's a father that loves so much the world that he gave the best gift someone could ever give, his only begotten son. That who so Ever. That includes every single human being that lives on this planet. Anyone that wants salvation, in spite of your background, in spite of your where you're coming from, the Father is looking out for you to return. And those individuals that were a part of this church and left this church and backslid and went their own way because they did not believe what we were doing, those doors are always swinging, opening and closing. And if they walk back in and they are sorry and they want to return, this church will accept them. Are you listening to me? If the word I preach drives you out and you come you go and you try to find rest and you can't find it and you come back i would not change the word i preach to accommodate you you will have to change your life to adjust to the messages i preach because what i preach i feel god has given to me and if you have a problem with that then take it up with god Are you still listening? And the prodigal son came back, and that was a wonderful thing. And, and when he came back, the father went overboard, we think. And you know those that were a part of the church, the boy that was at home and worked the fields, he was upset that the father did not punish this boy. 
<clears throat> your attitude to the work of God is important. It is critical to your resurrection and you're sitting on a throne ruling and reigning with Christ. And so when I'm looking at this, this is important. And so last night, apart from the prodigal son, we went into scripture in Isaiah chapter 32. Isn't that right? And Isaiah chapter 32, I never took a slant like I did last night with this scripture because it tells us there's coming a time when a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. In other words, you're ruling and reigning according to the principles that God established, not your feelings. No one will sit on a throne in the coming kingdom that is governed by their feelings. No one. Prejudice and human feelings and traditional concepts will not sit on a throne. When you sit on the throne, you take a thousand years to change this earth because you don't snap your finger and change everything. You're patiently waiting for the work of God to gradually grow into maturity, the ungodliness to be eliminated, the curse to be lifted, and the kingdom of God to be established. That is why the church is important. If you don't like church and you miss church, you don't really want to be a part of the bride of Christ. You don't really want to rule and reign with Christ. And that is why I admire Brother Antoine. Because in his church, they have prayer meeting on a Friday night. They have church on a Saturday. They have church on a Sunday. And they have church on a Sunday night. And they have things going on at the church on Tuesday and Thursday. I was told. Wednesday, church. Saturday, night, church. Friday, let me start on Wednesday. Wednesday night, church. Friday night, prayer meeting. Saturday night, church. Sunday, one o'clock, church. Sunday night, 7.30, church. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I've got things going on. And when I went there on the Sunday, the place was packed with over 100 people. And you know, the amazing thing is, when church is done, they all rushed out. No, they're like what we used to do before we backslid. When we come to church, brothers, when church is over, don't stand next to the switch waiting for me to leave. I'm putting this on Brother Joe. Look, it looks like Brother Joe. Brother Joe waits until I leave. You know, Brother Terry stays at that door until I drive away. In the early days, Brother Wayne would never leave this parking lot until my car pulls out. There was a love for the pastor and a love for the work of God. And there were individuals that cared for the, the pastor and the work of God in those days. We were never in a rush. Saints, in when we were in Dufferin Street, saints went to work on a church night with their bags, church clothes. 
No one sat in church looking like a joker. No one. And so when work was over, they didn't run to eat. They run to church, changed in the bathroom, put on their church clothes, and sat in church. When church was done, then the poor people have to go home, taking public transportation. And when they reach home, then they have their dinner. That was how church was. I did security night shift in the early days. And I refused the security that wanted me to work on a Wednesday night. I tell them, no, I don't work on a Wednesday, and I don't work on a Sunday, and I don't work on a Saturday. And so I worked in the nights. And some Wednesday nights, I go to work after I'm finished church. Did you ever see me sleep in church? No. Never ever. And you know what? Here's the secret. I used to use wake-up pills. Because I'm entering into the church of God. I'm young and vibrant. And I need to be awake. If I'm going to pastor the church... I've got to set the example. If I see Sister Monica fall asleep, that's okay. And there'll come a time when I'm going to become old and I'll fall asleep. I remember standing in, 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 in Haiti. And Brother Caesar, he has 30-something ministers there because I went to a minister's meeting and he stands up there and he says, well, you know, we have Brother Singh here. and He's asleep. He has the art of standing and sleeping. And he's there sleeping. But he has done a full life. Of working for days and weeks. He says, Brother Singh, don't come into the, into the interior with me because it's punishment. So he's all right. You sleep away, Brother Caesar. But as a young man growing up, I could not do that in church. And so my commitment and dedication was strong. And if I am to sit on a throne, I must be able to understand in this life and in this church how to judge like the Father would have me judge. And so here it says in verse 1 of, of uh, Isaiah chapter 32, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall, be, uh, shall rule in judgment with God's judgment. Proper judgment. And it says that a man shall be a hiding place. In those days when you're, you need somebody to run to. A man shall be a hiding place. Not because the man read Dale Carnegie. How to win friends and influence people. But genuinely that man shall be a hiding place. Today, a man can be a hiding place as long as you dance to his music. But when you fail to dance to ministers' music, they write you off. And that day, Jesus stood there and he looked at that woman caught in adultery. 
and everyone had a rock. And he kneeled down, went onto the sand, and he was writing something. And I don't know, the Bible doesn't say what he wrote, so I don't dare speculate what he wrote. And then he turned to the multitude, and he didn't say what I would have asked. Where's the man? Now he looked at them, and he says, Any one of you that do not have sin in your life, go ahead and stone her. And the woman's head was bowed because she's embarrassed. She got caught while committing adultery. She was embarrassed. Do you know that woman, that adulterous woman, was the first one that went to his tomb when he was buried on resurrection day? Where were the apostles? Fled. Where were the other individuals, the thousands he fed, hiding? But she that was forgiven much, love it much. When you have a nice, comfortable life, you don't learn a single thing. God can never develop you if everything you got is like you can snap your finger and have everything. I've learned from poverty, and I said that last night. I've learned from hard days. Uh, days when we grew up, when we just got married, uh, we would not know where the next meal is coming from. Did we? Never knew where the next meal. Wasn't that those the best days in your life? She said those were the best days in your life. You don't have know where the next meal is coming from. But it came. Never did we ever starve nor beg. David said I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We never did. But God blessed everything we did. And we turned around and we were able to help individuals that were around us as we continue to serve God. Here's Brother Terry, he can tell you. There's Brother Sinbad, he can tell you. There's Sister Pam, she can tell you. Uh, because we're looking back, Brother Sam is behind me, he can tell you. We trusted God. God never let us down. And a man, when the kingdom of God is established, there'll not be a joker sitting on the throne uh, that would judge you according to what he wants to judge you by. Now, you sit there and every man, every single man and woman would have a fighting chance if they're serious about serving God. When the crowd was ready to stone her, and I speculated a lot on that, I said, everyone depends on how much you want her dead was the size of the rock you had. And some of us, in the church, we carry rocks for people that we don't like. Spiritual and mental rocks to kill them. You got to get rid of your bag of rocks. Have some of the Father's love. Have some of His grace. Have some of His patience and long-suffering. And be willing to receive. You're not compromising. You think Jesus was a compromiser? No, but God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Amen. And a man here, beautiful description, shall be a hiding place from the wind of doctrine, the wind of worldliness. Whatever wind is rocking your boat, when you enter into the kingdom... If you're part of that establishment and you run to a man sitting on a throne 
you'll find rescue. You find justice. You find someone that can listen to you and help you get saved. As long as you dance to their music. No, no, no. You don't have to dance to anybody's music but the word of God and the principles of God. And he goes on here and he says, A covert from the tempest uh, and a rivers of water in a dry place. No spirit. You're dry. You're, you don't feel God. You run to one of those men and they're there to offer you life. But I'm going to help you if you help me. No, no, no. God, if God was to only let rain fall on the just, and the unjust don't get rain, the world would be in a drought. But God, the Father, He is indescribable with human words. And if we're the children of our Father, then we should have His Spirit resting in our lives. And this is beautiful. Over in the book of Revelation, and I'm looking, time is moving on me here today. In the book of Revelation, every one of these individuals, chapter 14, that sit, uh, sits on the throne, it didn't have happen hocus-pocus. They're sitting on a throne because they have learned to sit in the church. If you have not developed the habit of sitting in church, you will never sit on a throne. Or saying you're very hard. No, no, no. I'm preaching the word of God. Blame him. I'm just telling you how he's loving. But he has a principle that you must abide by. You know, we don't have a kitchen. And so what we do, we put all the vegetables in the pot and say, God, cook it. And it's cooked. Isn't God wonderful? No, no, no. You got to find a way to survive in spite of the negatives. Not having a kitchen is a big negative. Have we survived? Have we made our own countertop? Yes. Well, I don't know what they're doing with the countertop. Listen, until they know what they're doing with it, we got our own countertop. We have to learn to live in the midst of the circumstance that God has brought in our path. There's nothing that happens to the elect child of God not ordained by God. And so whenever you're going through something, you must understand. And so these people in Revelation 14, the first thing John writes, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on, the, on, on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 having what? The Father's name written in their forehead. The name here is the Father's nature. How would you get that? By just putting God on a back burner and listening to the message once in a while? No, you get that by continuously following the word of God. Daily meditate on his word. And you will be like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Forget, forsake thee ungodly. 
See, this little thing we've got here, it's recording the message right now. This is recording the message right now. But you know, some of your addicts, you gotta watch all kinds of stuff all day. And you can't maintain your sanity because if this you got before your face all day, it would affect your thinking capacity. Electronics before your face all day, fishing on the internet will destroy your spiritual growth and your development in God, and you'll be a spiritual, stunted individual. But you'll never be stunted if you listen to my messages on Spotify and follow them all day. It would help you to grow in God. You might disagree sometimes, but it will war against your carnal nature sometimes, but you will grow in God. In chapter 3 of Revelation, <clears throat> these have the Father's name, and in chapter 3, uh, John, uh, when he is receiving this revelation, in verse, in verse 12 of chapter 3, he says, Him that overcometh, you've got to learn to have some negatives that you must overcome. I'm giving you the word of God here today that when you go out, the devil is going to bring the negative and the temptation to you that you've got to be able to overcome. You've got to overcome lust. I could change that. We have to overcome lust. We have to overcome fashion. We have to overcome worldliness. We have to overcome the sports world. We have to overcome everything that would cause us to be stunted spiritually. And then when we overcome and we're able to conquer small things and big things, here is what it says. <coughs> Him that overcome it will I make a pillar. When you overcome, you become a pillar in the temple of God. That's not a literal pillar. That's the dung man coming from the dunghill that he ends up as a pillar in the establishment of God in the kingdom of God. He can't be a pillar made out of bamboo. No, you're a pillar that can carry the weight of the kingdom on your shoulders. It cannot happen if you forsake the institution God calls the church. This that God calls the church is an absolute necessity in the development of spirituality in the lives of every child of God. And so you overcome, you become a pillar in the temple of my God, Jesus said. And you shall go no more out. You don't know how to backslide because you're an overcomer. He says... And I will write on him my new name, the name of my, the, I'll write on him the name of my God, the Father's name written in your forehead. And upon, and the name of the city of my God, you'll become a part of the governing body. The new Jerusalem is the governing body that will govern the kingdom. You'll become a part of that. And he says, and uh, that cometh down from God, from my God. <clears throat> and I will write upon him my new name. Je when you see Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. 
So even though Jesus is so beautiful and so wonderful and so perfect today, when you resurrect the, the overcomers, they at all, when they see him, they become like him. They'd be fellow ears with the Son of God. And the entire universe will be your domain. I don't believe 144,000 overcomers will be sitting in the church, in the king, on the earth here forever and ever. No. The galaxies need to be reached out into. What man is discovering in a little human telescope is a drop in the ocean to what exists in God's real universe. I believe there are planetary systems way beyond what we can understand and angelic beings govern them. I believe that. I believe when the angels, sons of God came to present themselves before God and Satan also came, Satan was coming from the earth, the fallen part of God's creation, but these other angels were coming from various galaxies way beyond man's comprehension. That's what I believe the Bible has. This Bible is a drop in the ocean to what God is. And you confuse yourself and you get a problem understanding it, but it's a drop in the ocean. So you child of God listening to me here today, it is important that we develop the Father's nature. And how can we do that? He made it simple, by developing his son's nature. When we receive the Holy Spirit, genuinely, don't fake it. When you receive the Holy Spirit in your life, you're receiving the Spirit of Jesus in your life. His humility, his meekness, his tenderness, his act of forgiving someone that has a problem would be yours. See, one day he stood there and the people reject him. In Samaria, I think it was. Might have been one of these places. Uh, they reject him, Capernaum or somewhere. And the disciples came to him and says, Lord, be like Elijah. Call on fire and burn them up. Have you ever wanted to burn up people? If your attitude is negative to anyone that has fallen into trouble and rebelled and cussed God and you're like Manasseh, you sacrifice your children to idols and you've Worship strange gods. If you're elect, he'll bring you back after he busts you in. But you as a human being has to learn to forgive everyone. Just like the Father forgives everyone. And today, you must learn to love your enemies. And I told this church over and over again, if someone, before you gossip about someone... Whether it's a minister or a saint or a family or someone that spoke evil against the church. Before you gossip them, be like Jesus. Father, forgive them. They're killing him. They don't know what they're doing. Be like Stephen. Lord, don't lay his sin to their charge. And you will come to that place that the very nature of Christ would be in your life. One last scripture, and we close. Isaiah chapter 11. I'm glad I'm in church today. I hope you are. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I preached many, many messages to this congregation, and I preached many, many messages to the world. 
And today, we're looking at Jesus sitting on a throne in the coming kingdom. And everyone that sits on thrones that are ruling and reigning with Christ will have this exact situation. And they'll have this exact maturity in their lives. And it says there, and, he shall, and, and there shall be a rod. Come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Uh, that rod, David's line, that rod out of the stem of Jesse is describing Jesus. And a branch, that branch is describing Jesus. And shall grow, uh, grow up, grow out of his roots. And the seven spirits described here shall be in one person. What are the seven spirits? The spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost. Two, the spirit of wisdom. Three, the spirit of understanding. Four, the spirit of counsel. Five, the spirit of might. Six, the spirit of knowledge. And seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord shall be upon him. And when you come to that place of having the Father's nature and all of this being, all of the seven aspects of God working in your life, it says, and God shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge according to the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Listen to me five minutes more. When you turn on the internet, you know, Facebook is what I use to promote my messages. But when you go on Facebook, and you fiddle around on Facebook, and you find brother so-and-so that's a part of our fellowship wearing shorts in Bermuda. Oh my God, Sister Nadine, did you see what I see? Listen, if that affects you, close the Facebook and stop looking at the internet because you get affected by what you see. When you're matured, what you see does not affect you. Judgment. While somebody's talking to you, what you hear does not impair your spiritual understanding of God. And when Jesus sits on that throne and 144,000 sit with him on the thrones, they don't judge according to the seeing of their eye or the hearing of their ears. A lot of time, your immaturity is exposed by what you see. Your lack of comprehension and judgment is exposed by what you hear. And the safest thing to do, love your enemies. How can I do that? Pray for them that despitefully use you. Because unless you learn to love your enemies, when you resurrect, if you still have the attitude that's carnivorous, when you resurrect, you'll kill half the world with your human vengeance. When you're a child of God and you're overcomer, you will not judge according to the seeing of your eyes. And if the, the ungodly needs to be eliminated in the battle of Gog and Magog, you'll burn them up, not with a human passion. No, you'll burn them up because it's the principle of God. 
they disobeyed God, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. This Bible is written for a human understanding, for us human beings. It says, God so loved. And so we're already thinking love, love, love. You know, on Facebook, I use two hearts. One is a red heart. If I want to put something I like, have you all seen me do that? Two hearts. One is a red and one is a blue. Blue means my love is true. Red is agape. The love of God. I use the red heart to signify that's me. But to sing, preach that. We got to do. No, no, no. That's me. When I put two hearts, that's human me. I put two hearts. I don't like a lot of emojis. I don't like that kind of stuff. Write and tell me. So I put two hearts. One is the red that signifies the love of God. Good. Two is my love. But as long as that blue heart is there, there's a fickleness that's there. If step on my toe, I lose my cool. So when I, as long as I use that blue heart, it's still me. I love. See, I have to love my grandsons with a grandfather's love. I have to love Sister Chandra with a husband's love. I have to love Nadine with a father's love. I have to love the congregation with a pastor's love. So my love is blue. It goes into all direction. But as long as I'm a human being, possibility is I will have a problem. And that is why if I see you do something wrong, I'll pray for you first. I had a chat with this young man here because they wanted to put him in the band and I want to find out if he should go in the band. So I said, do you want to go in the band? He says, no. Why? I'm not saved. You know, I like honesty. I'm not saved. You're not saved. Guess what? You're not the only one not saved. We had a nice conversation. I said, son, anything you tell me that never shocks me. I'm here to save sinners. And if you're a sinner, I'm here to save you. But I don't like you. I don't care. You're not the first. Guess what? I don't like me too. But I'm here to save you. And I'm here to help you to come to the place of understanding that there's a God that loves you. And when I learn to love the loveless, and I learn to love my enemies, and I learn to pray for those that despitefully use me, and I don't gossip people because they're not dancing to my music, but I pray for them, I will develop the right attitude. And one day, when the Lord resurrect me, I'll be free from myself. And the blue heart is gone. Just a red one stays. And I'm using this as a leverage because I want just the love of God to remain in me and not my love. So you see, a theologian like Brother Terry would tell you agape, eros, and all kinds of other Greek words. I just put two hearts. One is mine, one is God's. As long as the blue one remains, it's me. Don't hurt me, I hurt you back. You know, no, no, no. I'm learning to turn it over 
that I can love the unlovable. Secret is, you pray for me, you'll never gossip against me. If you pray for me, even though I hurt you, you will never gossip about me. The only gossip you'll gossip about me is to the Father. And that is how it is. So when the kingdom is established, no one sits and judges otherwise. And I finish here. It says, <clears throat> but with righteousness, verse 4, shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, which is the word of God that comes out of his mouth. And the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. It's, it's a principle that governs and not a human feeling that conquers you. And when the kingdom is established, if you have the Father's name, you would be judging like the Father would love, judge. And you would love like the Father would love. That when we were without strength, he sent his Son to die for us. I thank God for the Father, and I thank God for the Father's love and the Father's name that can be written in every one of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this privilege you've given to us that we can talk about your word. Oh Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to understand the need for the church, the need for being there and listening to your word, the need, oh God, for not putting you on a back burner, but understand the seriousness of serving you and what it involves. Father, we pray that this lesson would not return void unto thee, but accomplish its purpose and plan. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Let's receive our regular Sunday afternoon offering, your tithes, your offering, and whatever you have for the word of God. Let's all stand and sing a chorus while we do that. <laughs>